I'm Christina. And this is Erin. And you're listening to Something to Wag About. It's hard sometimes to, because there are people who literally think that positive means the dog does whatever it wants. And I'm just going to use treats to, <laughs> to shape the behavior I want. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't fully work that way. No, my dog's <laughs> on the counter. I'm going to tell him to get off. I'm not going to, here, come over here yeah. for a cookie. Like, that's yeah. not going to happen. <laughs> It'll be pretty quick that they learn to jump on the counter for cookies. Yeah. You can set boundaries and enforce things without hurting or scaring your dog. That's the thing. I was like, you can, yeah, I do. Um, I do it all the time. Cause people like, just don't, it's actually really starting to drive me crazy. Cause it's like, people think they can't tug on their dogs. Like, I'm like, I don't want you to correct them. Like you're not going to yank on them, but there's no problem. And I usually say like, you walk up to their leash and you're taking collar or harness and just let's go. Like, yeah, you're not <laughs> scaring them. You're not being mean and yanking them. You're just Let's go. <laughs> yep. I, I know it's hard for people to understand. Positive doesn't mean that you can't move your dog or touch a dog or tell your yeah. dog no. I'm like, I, I tell my dogs no all the time. But mm-hmm. for my dogs, when I say those things, it doesn't mean or else I'm going to hurt you or, or yeah. else I'm going to scare you. And that's how I define positive dog training. Yeah. It's not a, it's not, yeah, it's not an or else. It's just a, no, we're doing this. We're, we're doing this. <laughs> those no choice moments. I have a lot of those uh, described yes. in my online thing. Yeah. In my online moment. reactivity course. Sometimes you, you just don't today. have a choice. So, oh, what are we chatting about? So today we're going to talk about multiple marker systems. We're going to talk about what that is, how Aaron and I use multiple markers, and how it applies to reactivity specifically. Awesome. So starting with what is a multiple marker system? Uh, So we talk about multiple markers. First off, marker words are essentially a way to tell our dogs how to collect reinforcement. So yes, that's right. Now we're going to collect our reinforcement, whether or not that's food, toys, whatever it is. Uh, Having a multiple marker system means that Yes, they're doing this thing right and reinforcement's going to come, but there's different ways they can obtain reinforcement or different types of reinforcement they can get. So what are some examples of multiple markers that you might use? If we're specifically talking about reactivity, some of the main ones I use is, is yes or click, and that's treat from my hand. I use find it a lot, which means find a thrown piece of food. And then I also have scatter, which means they're going to have a variety, not a variety, or could could be variety, but multiple treats on the ground to sniff it. Excellent. So a marker is a cue on how to take reinforcement or how to expect reinforcement to be delivered. Right. So I use the same as you. I have yes or click means take the food from my hand. Find it is a single toss to treat onto the ground. I use search rather than scatter for my many treats, five or more cut usually tossed onto the ground, hopefully in some grass. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about why later. And then I also use catch, which means I'm going to throw a piece of food at your face. Yeah, that's a good one. I actually do use that one too. I use it less frequently, but I do use that one as well. 
um, for more engagement type stuff. Yeah. I use that one for more pups or new dogs or dogs that are really struggling with value for the handler. Yeah. So just a simple one. It becomes a bit of a race. Yeah. I say catch and throw the food. I don't say catch and then wait for eye contact. Yeah. Um, obviously if it's a timid little chihuahua, I'm not going to throw food at its head because that would scare it. And that would kind of defeat the whole purpose, but most dogs aren't afraid of food being thrown at their head. I say that a lot because I do get the look sometimes. <laughs> I, I, I do use thrown food and quite frequently, uh, I will throw food right at the dogs, either at their head or at their body, especially if they're hard staring and I've accidentally been too close or something and I want to try and snap them out of it, I will throw a piece of food at them to, to mm-hmm. get that, to get that look away that I want. And I, I will sell that to people. And they're like, you want me to throw food at my dog? And I'm like, trust <laughs> me, most dogs don't mind when, you know, <laughs> delicious food comes flying at them. <laughs> well, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen, oh no, that's not true. I had one dog that didn't really like, he didn't actually even like food thrown on the ground. So we worked on that separately, but that was just the one dog that I I've only had one dog so far with this. With, with clients too, I modify it to what that client needs, person and dog. So I use those specific ones kind of as my baseline. But for instance, I'm working with a big uh, livestock guardian mix right now. And for him, when we say yes, it's going to mean multiple cookies on the ground by his feet. Right. Right. Like it's just... It doesn't have to be one set thing. And this is the rule for all dogs. It can be, yeah. you know, the, the the cues I have for my border collies are not the same cues I have or the markers are not the same markers I have for the Eskimo. Right. Do you have any thoughts of when people can get away with just using like a yes? Do you ever have somebody just say yes? Yeah, all the time. I only introduce multiple markers if I think it's needed for that dog. And I find in general, well, I do. I mean, I find in general, a lot of dogs do get a buy fine with just, they hear the word yes. And they look for where the treat is. Um, And especially if you're throwing it, they see or they hear the thrown food and they know to search for it. Um, So yeah, unless I see frustration or usually I either see frustration in the dog or I'm needing them to, for whatever reason, go to a specific spot. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's when I'll start doing multiple marker system. But uh, yeah. When do you decide? Like, what do you see? When do you decide that you think multiple marker is needed? I often base it primarily on the handler, to be honest, because I don't think multiple marker ever hurts a dog. I think it only helps a dog if the handler can consistently be consistent. Well, so I'm I'm curious about that because I, in my experience, so I find that some handlers do struggle with multiple marker systems. And if that's the case, they can get by just fine using mm-hmm. the F. There's no need to introduce a, a bunch yeah. of other cues. Especially because I work predominantly in reactivity or aggression stuff. A yeah. lot of the people I'm working with are already overwhelmed. They're already anxious. Exactly. They're already afraid. We don't need to introduce any complexity that doesn't need to be there. And if they're already yeah. just kind of struggling to be present and be there for their dog, we're not going to introduce multiple markers. We're just going to yeah. keep it as simple as possible to keep everybody successful. And then we can build on that later if we need to. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of other things to be thinking about that I honestly think are more important than yeah. yes versus find it. Yeah. So, you know as you say, introduce it later if it's needed. But 
obviously sports training and everything's a little different. I'm more inclined to with a sports client thing. I am more inclined to introduce a multiple marker mm-hmm. system. But I think sport clients are more interested in actual dog training, whereas most reactivity clients are pet owners who just want a safe, sane dog to walk. Yeah. They don't really want to be a dog trainer. They just want to enjoy their pet. So I think yeah. that's a different population. It is a different population. It's just fair. Do you use any other markers in your own training with your own dogs that you might not use with clients? For reactivity? No. What about for not reactivity? For not reactivity, the main one I also use is essentially like a keep going. So a stay in place. I bring the reinforcement to you. Uh, I use good for that. Mm-hmm. I call um, that room service. <laughs> so does <laughs> the sport. Yeah. The sport puppy class I, yeah, <laughs> sport puppy puppy class I teach. That's what uh, that's what we teach the room service cue. But I I tend to use good. Um, I also use um, for my own dogs teaching healing because I have border collies and they tend to forge. I use behind, which means take mm-hmm. the reinforcer from behind my bum. Yeah, so that is one I'll only introduce if I think a dog really needs it. Um, if they tend do tend to forge, mm-hmm. I haven't taught my dogs that cue. Cause I've never really had a huge problem with foraging, but it's definitely one I will use in rally obedience. If I see people start to have a foraging. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the other ones, the category that we skip is toys. I use a separate marker system for toys. And honestly, I only use one marker for toys. I use get it. And that applies for me, whether the toys on the ground or if it's um, in my hand or if I'm going to pull it out of my pocket. But if I play games with a toy on the ground, it's never going to be a surprise where that toy is. Mm -hmm. So the dog knows ahead of time that there's a placed toy and the keyword get it is a cue that he's allowed to go get it. I'm the same. I have a get it. And then I have a catch Mm -hmm. thrown versus stationary, essentially, whether or not stationary is on me or on the ground. But yes, I do differentiate between when I'm using food versus toys. Cause sometimes I'm using food and toys in a training session. And I want my dog to know what to expect when I say my, my uh, reinforcement marker. So why do you think that multiple marker systems are important for reactivity or rather, why do you think it's important to reinforce in different ways when we're working with reactivity? I think it's important because once our dogs understand the cue, which after a few repetitions, they start to understand where and how the reinforcement is going to come. It can really help with their arousal control. Um, Generally something like when I say scatter, my dogs are pretty good at, and clients' dogs that I've worked with are good at, that just helps bring down their arousal pretty immediately. They're expecting that scatter of food, activating the seeking, and it just calms down as they Mm -hmm. pick out. It's like the doggies end, right? They just come and they're sniffing out all their treats. Uh, Whereas something like, yes, the dog's still going to usually look to me to get the food, but it's just one piece of food. And I find it doesn't have the same effect on arousal. If anything, if I'm doing yeses fast in a row, I actually sometimes find it can increase arousal. It's going to depend on the dog a little bit, but yeah, there's definitely the different, different markers that you're going to use is going to control your dog's arousal. differently. Mm -hmm. So sniffing out treats in the grass or brush, that's going to activate the seeking mechanism and get all the good endorphins going, helps them sniff and just 
learn how to be calmer. So that's our search or scatter cue. Catch is an arousing cue because now it's a predatory experience, the same as find it. That's when the dog is looking for one piece of food that's being thrown, they're using prey drive to find it. And that's arousing. And I find the same for yes. So the look at that game, which I play a lot, or dog looks, yes, they get a cookie repeat. That is very arousing for most dogs. So we have to be careful that we're playing games either with enough distance or creating distance, or we can integrate the scatters and all those other things to help control arousal. So we don't end up in over our heads. Well, it's just, you know, it's a good point. Just like watching the value of food that you're using, Mm -hmm. because most of my reactivity work, I do use quite low value food, Mm -hmm. especially with some dogs who find arousal so (laughs) reinforcing, (laughs) essentially, Uh, even if you're using low value food, um, if you're, if you're building that arousal into it, it can have the same conflict that we don't want to to get into with say using cheese and accidentally getting too close to something, pushing our dogs beyond what we want because they want the food so bad. So they're like, yeah, I'll put myself in this situation. I don't feel safe because I really want the cheese. Well, it could be the same with arousal. Um, if you got a, a dog that finds arousal, so reinforcing, which a lot of dogs do um, mm-hmm. when they, they love the work. Yeah. They love they, the games. Yeah. A lot of dogs, um, especially the working breeds, the collies and, and things like that too, that are, yeah. They're happy to work with you inside that danger zone as long as yeah. you keep playing. Yeah. So we have to be careful about arousal and value of food. I love that. <laughs> what an excellent point. The, uh, <laughs> on that topic too, we want to pick our behaviors that we're asking of our dog with arousal in mind too. So uh, healing, hand touches, those can all be arousing and they all vary by dog. So a settle, a lie down, flop your hip. Just very calm for most dogs, um, tugging on a toy or doing spins and leg weaves and jumping hand touches. Those are all really arousing. So just like we consider arousal when we choose our reinforcement or a marker, we want to make sure we're considering the behaviors we're asking of our dogs too. So to wrap up, a multiple marker system can be super handy in helping you control arousal when you're training, particularly for an, a reactive dog. But if you struggle with being consistent with the cues, it may be just better just to say yes and have a single marker for you and your dog. So it has to be practical for both human and dog, so the team together. And it's more important to me that there is uh, clear communication, consistent mechanics, including reinforcement workers, than having a whole bunch of different reinforcement markers. Mm -hmm. The right marker system is the one that works for you and your dog. And it's Mm -hmm. not necessarily going to be the same one for you and a different dog. Lastly, we'll finish up today with a couple of questions that people had on my reactivity group. Uh, It's a free group on Facebook. If you have a reactive dog and you aren't a part of it, you should join us there. Two questions that we're going to talk about today is one person asked, how do I get my puppy to settle in his crate in the car when we're at class? Do you have some thoughts on that, Erin? So question one, is there another option for the dog? Does he have to settle in a crate? Yes, he has to be in a crate. That's the safe spot. It's nose work. So dogs wait in the crate between, um, well, it's not their turn. Okay. So 
The dog has to stay in the crate. Then step one is we want to set our dogs up for success. And that is removing the visual stimulus. So covering the crate. The crate. Yep. Uh, I'd also take that another step further and say, if your dog is sound sensitive, then put on a noise machine for the radio, a, a fan can often help that. Yeah. So we want to cut down how much the dog is perceiving the outside world. Yeah, for sure. Um, the other part of setting them up for success is practice at home uh, while you train another dog or garden or something. Can your dog relax in his crate? Not in the car. Can your dog relax in his crate in the car while other stuff is going on at home? If you mm-hmm. haven't trained that, then um, likely not going to happen at class where he has the most fun of his entire life playing nosework. Yeah. And then on top of that, when the dog is in the crate at class, I'd be giving them stuff to work on. So mm-hmm. that's Kong with frozen stuff in it. So it takes a little bit longer. Uh, chew sticks, yeah. anything your dog will work on. I would give them that and assuming class is an hour once a week, my dog's going to get a lot of good treats once a week <laughs> on that hour, as yeah. much as my dog needs to keep them quiet for that hour. I'm going to give them. Yeah. And that can be every time you talk, take your dog out and put it back in something novel helps yeah. rather than the thing that they just had the last time. The other piece here, and I know Aaron and I do things a little differently with this, but I am not a fan of people randomly going back, hoping the dog's quiet or waiting for the dog to quiet and then dropping cookies because the dog quickly Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying that. I'm like, wait a minute. That's coming out wrong. <laughs> that was not potentially the slight disagreement we had. Because I know, no, I but then I detoured. <laughs> I do not. I am the same with you. I do not. It's not contingent on a behavior. There's yeah. no way. I do not wait for quiet. <laughs> I see people do that and I'm like, stop. (laughs) I know. It drives me nuts. It it makes me a little piece of me die inside when I see someone standing outside their crate waiting for their dog to stop screaming at them so they can either open the crate or give them a cookie. Don't do that. I'm a big fan of um, (laughs) fixed rate of reinforcement for calm. So if you're in the crate and you're waiting, that is a criteria. It doesn't mean waiting and quiet. It doesn't mean lying down. It doesn't mean anything. If you are waiting in the crate every five seconds or whatever is feasible in in whatever training level that dog's at, a piece of food is going to appear. And that's at a fixed interval. So that teaches the dog it isn't because they look left or they flop their hip one way or they paw it at the crate. I don't want them to think that the cookie is contingent on something they did. So I don't want them to think they're to think that they're working for the cookie. Anything else you want to add to the settling in a crate? Nope. I think in a class, think of it as rehearsing what you want when you're in a class environment that's really hard. So we set the dog up for success by cutting out the uh, external environment, crate covered, noise machine if needed. And then we're practicing the behavior we want by working on food puzzles or like Kong's chews. Snuffle mats, bully sticks. Snuffle mats, yeah. And then I work, yeah, exactly. And then I work on adding distractions to crate training at home. Yeah. As you said, you know, training at home. Yeah, training at home. All right. So the next question, the second question is a person on the reactivity group just adopted a dog, a street dog. And the dog is struggling with reactivity. I think they've had him a few weeks. 
And when they go for walks, the dog, they're struggling. The dog doesn't want to give eye contact. So a common task that people train, they might call it focus or look. They, a lot of puppy classes, I know you and I no longer teach this, but a lot of puppy classes still teach that eye contact as a behavior to ask your dog to do when you don't want them to look at something else. And this little street dog is struggling with that behavior. Uh, number one, I don't think any dog should be forced to get eye contact if they don't want to, just because for some dogs, it is a very intimidating behavior to be asking mm-hmm. for. Direct eye contact can be, it can mean different things in dog language, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not something I ask for. If my dog, if my dog doesn't willingly give me eye contact, then I don't even go there. And honestly, I don't even teach my dogs to give me eye contact. Some, one of my dogs is very happy to do it, but it's not something I specifically ask for. So, you know, one of two things you could, you could change your definition of eye contact. When I teach my puppy classes now, I, I say the ish, my ish direction. So it's not eye contact as long as they're focused on me in some way. So whether or not, maybe they're looking at my chest, maybe they're looking at my hips, but as long as they're kind of looking at me, that's, that's my criteria. I kind of know they have their, I have their attention. They're looking at me. I find most dogs are somewhat willing to look at neck chest area mm-hmm. if they don't even want to look directly at your eyes. I'll even take um, staring at the treat pouch. Yep. Yep. Staring at as long yep. as they're focusing on you rather than the environment. Exactly. And the dogs that we have um, that were bred for human affinity, golden retrievers, Labradors, a lot of those types of breeds, they love eye contact. They will stare into your eyes all day long. And it's so lovely, but a lot of dogs are not those dogs and we can't, we shouldn't, I don't think it's ethical to try to convince dogs that weren't bred and selected for that trait to have that trait because it does, it's pretty intimidating, a lot of pressure for a lot of dogs. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely.